from Los Angeles, California, on the MTV Podcast Network in association with Panoply Media. This is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus. Our producer is Mukta Mohan. And sitting across the table, first discovered singing and selling her blog on the streets of New York, Molly Lambert. Hey, everybody. I'm going to throw you a nickel and you can bite it to prove that it's a real nickel. <laughs> How, was that proof that it was a real nickel or yeah. that it was a fake nickel? Like we, a real nickel was... would bend? I, uh, as a street urchin from the 1900s, of course. Yeah, you got to make sure it's uh, a real nickel, not any of that soft metal. Okay, so if it bends, it's it's not a nickel. That's that's the explanation. If it bends, it's funny. If there, it breaks, it's not funny. So should we keep going with this then? Yeah. yeah no, I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to be talking about Newsies today uh, because I, I decided that uh, I should, when Molly proposes something as a segment, I should take you at your word. I believe it was more that you were just very excited about the idea of Newsies. Uh, that's not true. Um, but we're also <laughs> going to talk about the news of the day. I think every MTV podcast that recorded today is about the same earth-shattering uh, faith in love destroying Wait, but event. First, but, but first. But first, we should talk about that when we walked into the studio today, the table that we put all the microphones and things on had mysteriously moved several inches in a direction. Or had it. We don't know for real, for sure. Are we shrinking? Are we getting smaller? Did did something happen? But it turned out that this is part of our producer, Mukta Mohan's greatest fear that <laughs> she is now going to tell us about. Okay, so my equivalent of being sawed in half on stage at a magic show... Which, which is, is Molly's fear, me, as, as I announced in our Magic Castle episode. So the, my personal equivalent to that is a serial killer who leaves hints... That he's there, but just messes with you. Do you know what I mean? I totally understand. Like, I think I read something years ago about a serial killer who used to go into people's houses and move, like, the remote control to the upstairs room instead of in the living room. And so then the women would be like, oh, that is so weird. I guess I must have done that. And then would just mess with them and then kill them. Wow. So there was something in and his pathology was about moving things in the ha- like that is psych you out because yeah. then yeah. you're like always on edge. I think gaslighting people by moving things very subtly is a very scary thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, and you could really freak somebody out by doing that, even if it was just like I, I don't know why people don't. I do know why people do don't do it more at offices. It's because it's sociopathic. <laughs> it's not like there, hopefully there's not a lot of serial killing going on in offices. Yeah, but, but you're I, talking about the, just just the moving of stuff without the murder. Right, and just if you like were at your friend's house and you just like moved their bed a couple inches away from the wall, so you know, creepy. and then you denied doing it, you could drive somebody insane that way. So creepy. If you move things like uh, like pictures on the wall, yeah. just like slightly to the side, only slightly. That's the key. This is because you can't let them know that someone else did it. Well, but it's also, I mean, isn't the fear that like uh, like the this part that's scary isn't that your stuff has moved? It's that someone has been in your house, like sort of just walking around touching your things and then yeah i don't know but it's like it's scarier if they just move one or two things than if your whole Mm -hmm. apartment is chaotic and it's obvious that someone's gone through everything the idea of like that you're not sure yeah that's exactly that's so scary because then is it in your head or is it real Every episode of North Mollywood is a Halloween episode now. <laughs> From now until probably like mid-November. Yeah. 
We're like Disneyland ha- Halloween season. We just uh, we take a whole month and for Halloween. Ur- Ursula and Maleficent just take over programming. Oh, that's my favorite. They uh, probably just like move things in Disneyland very subtly. They're like, now this is over here. What if like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride just moved like two inches? <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, oh, this seemed like such a shorter walk when I was a kid. Or, yeah. you know, or, or longer or whatever. Uh, Mukta, have you ever read the book uh, Gerald's Game by Stephen King? No. Don't do that. Is that... <laughs> Wait, is that what this book is about? Uh, there's a thing in the, yeah, I can't, I would like, uh, spoilers if you have been thinking about reading like a 90s Stephen King book that you haven't gotten around to uh, yet. Um, and also if you don't want to be scared, but this is the whole thing. It's a book about a woman who is, uh, she is handcuffed to the bed. No, she, already <laughs> Okay, <laughs> already. She and her husband are uh, having some adult time and she is handcuffed to the bed and then uh, he dies. Oh, God. And so she's just stuck. And the whole book takes place. See, that's and, why that's a bad idea. But there's a thing. <laughs> there's a whole thing, though, where she's, like, starting to freak out in this bed, like, chained to the bed because she's there for days and days. And, like, she's thinking about her whole life that she's lived and everything that has happened to her. And she starts to have these things that she thinks are hallucinations of someone in the room. But, but is it someone oh in the God, room? Oh, my God, that's so scary. Yeah. I'm getting stressed out just hearing you describe the plot. It's, it's one of the scarier books. It's like you're reading it and you're like, this is a really weird experiment. Yeah, especially for- if she's been up for days days Mm -hmm. no water no food and her dead husband she would think she was hallucinating oh my god this is so creepy i started to read there's like an oliver Sacks book that's just about hallucinations it's about like people who have visual and auditory hallucinations and i like couldn't get i had to stop reading it because it was scaring me too much i was like nothing makes you think you're having auditory hallucinations like reading about other people's (laughs) sound hallucinations you're like what was that yeah uh don't watch poltergeist either oh i don't like scary things i do but i like to like go right up to the edge of like what is scary i actually uh i was on a road trip just this past week uh to a wedding in big sur and i did something that i don't do that often which is that i listened to a bunch of podcasts just because i was having a long drive and then also because i was in big sur where i didn't have uh internet really so i was like freaking out a little bit with withdrawal from the internet like i was very excited to be away from stuff but then i was also like how do i go to sleep without (laughs) 500 episodes of something to watch before to you know calm me down for sleep or uh anything else so i ended up being like oh we can listen to podcasts because i'm getting like one bar and so we listened i looked up spooky podcast okay (laughs) and listened to the first thing i found which was uh people calling into a show to describe like ghost experiences and then I listened to another haunted podcast about ghost experiences, which was more like professional ghost hunters being like, oh, well, you know, those ghost hunting TV shows, they're all fake, unlike us real ghost hunters. See, that's something I do like. You like that? I, yeah. I don't know why, but ghosts are still very, very scary to me, but not as scary as a serial killer. So if things were moving in your house and you thought maybe a ghost was doing it, you'd be like, that's fine. Yeah, I would feel way better about that. <laughs> well, because there's no such thing as Casper the Friendly Serial Killer, right? Yeah. Like, there's a possibility the thing, of, of a benign ghost. Exactly. The thing that scares me about serial killers is the intention to do harm. The fact that someone would want to hurt someone else and want to mess with them, like, that's what's scary. <laughs> 
but a ghost you'd be like how can i set you free from the prison of repetitive action that you're trying to make because that's what i learned from this ghost podcast is like people ghosts are always trying to like complete some action they couldn't complete before death sure and you have to help them finish it uh-huh uh but somehow what I was going to in my mind with this was that I listened to a great podcast that's my new favorite podcast called Stuff You Missed in History Class. Oh, that's a good one. It's really good. It's uh, on like the How Stuff Works network. And uh, it was also because I was specifically looking for a podcast about Disneyland. And they had a two-parter about the making of the Haunted Mansion, which was great. Wow. Uh, and I recommend to everybody this this uh, episode, two two episodes, and then they had another follow up episode with somebody who wrote a book about the making of the haunted mansion, and I listened to all three. But one of the things that really inspired the haunted mansion was the Winchester Mystery House. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Which uh, Alex, as a Northern California person, you would probably have more experience with than big, I do. Big fan. The, there was a woman who was the heir to the Winchester rifle fortune, and. I forget what there is an inciting incident that I'm going to forget, but her she sort was of, afraid that she wanted to. It was she, just yeah, it was just she was that. afraid of being haunted by the spirits of people killed by Winchester rifles. Right. So imagine you're like your family is an arms manufacturer that made like the rifle that tamed the West, and it killed countless people. You know, like indigenous peoples, non-indigenous peoples, like alike. And so she started to build a house what was the logic like she was building she wanted uh, she the kept, ghosts to not be able to find her so she kept adding rooms to so this there house are rooms and like fake doors and stairways that go nowhere and the idea was to have just a lot of like false pathways that spirits would travel on and i like the logic that spirits would follow just like a regular path that they wouldn't be smarter than that and can go through walls and stuff. Yeah, they, they would be like, oh, I can't go down. This, this door this, is, yeah, it's doesn't door's go locked. anywhere. Yeah, no, I guess that's, yeah, that, that, she was not clear on ectoplasmic <laughs> physics. So that was a big inspiration for the Haunted Mansion, but apparently the Haunted Mansion took like 18 years from uh, conception to, it was actually one of the things they conceived before they even built Disneyland. It was one of the ideas. They were like, we have to have a haunted house. But then it became contentious because it was like there were all these different Imagineers working on it at different times. And there was a big split between the people who wanted it to be funny and the people who wanted it to be scary. Because they were like, well, it's Disneyland. We don't want it to be too scary because kids are already going to be a little scared going into this you know, haunted looking house. But it, that was like they couldn't build it because they kept having these arguments about like, no, it should be atmospheric and frightening or no, it should be like funny, weird ghosts. Uh, and the resolution they came up with was basically that the first half of the ride is atmospheric and the second half is more like funny and character based and about like weird looking ghosts. Right. You kind of emerge from the shadows and then there's just ghosts kind of whooping it up. Like, yeah, a, yeah. Um, I've was, been going with a, a young kid a lot to Disneyland the most last like seven times that I've been. So I don't really I don't know all the scary rides as well. But I remember it from when I was a I kid. I thought she's maybe more into the scary rides than you. Well, and, she's into these physically scary rides like roller coasters and stuff. But things that are scary like monster scary. She's like, nah. Like we were definitely like, hey, Charlotte, do you want to go to Disneyland for Halloween this year? And she's like, yeah. And it's like, yeah, we can go in the Haunted Mansion. She's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, they do, you know, the Nightmare Before Christmas Haunted Mansion. Yeah, which is that's more her speed. Yeah, it's not she, not. She's scary. read the book of that one, so she's kind of she knows all that. I was like, I was like, it might be you might be old enough this year. She's like, I read the book. <laughs> uh, we had one other thing that I wanted to like that I really wanted to just just touch on briefly. I don't want to forget, Molly. You had something that I was shocked to learn. 
And I feel like everyone is going to also be shocked. Is this the vice principal's thing I was going to say? Okay. Yes, indeed. So my dad sent me an email today. Shout out to my dad. With the header, uh, Vice Principals is a documentary. The story is from the Huffington Post, I think, through through Reuters. uh, And I will just read it aloud. An Indiana man who police say mailed dead skunks and a raccoon to a man chosen over him as school basketball coach has been arrested. Travis Terrence, 40, was also accused of spray painting the victim's car with such messages as you will die in an attempt to get him to resign as coach and fourth grade teacher at the school in French Lick, Indiana, which is apparently also where Larry Bird is from. Oh, yeah, it's a basketball paradise. (laughs) The case began in June when the post office gets these packages that smell like skunks, blood coming from them and calls the police. Authorities believe Terrence began a campaign of trying to get the victim fired or force him to resign because he was disgruntled about losing out on the job. So he also mailed this guy dead skunks and a dead raccoon and then called from a phone outside his office to the country county department of child protective services to falsely accuse his rival of having sex with a 15 year old boy. It did not work. He did not become the basketball coach but also the amazing thing is when you look at the picture of this guy he really looks like somebody that danny mcbride would play so this is like there's probably like vice principals could very easily have been like sports dads yeah which would have felt a little stale i think somehow. i agree so I'm glad that I like, they didn't go that route well they also i'm sure wanted to avoid sports entirely after true. eastbound and down they're probably true. like but you know people kept saying like this is such a low stakes fight and i was like that's what life is about it's about tiny little power struggles and this uh proves that vice principles is fully rooted in fact you know sometimes life seems low stakes and yet (laughs) it doesn't seem low stakes to that guy who's mailing dead skunks to people or someone who's getting dead skunks in the mail i love that it's because he wanted to be the fourth grade teacher also seriously have you met fourth graders yeah that's what they need (laughs) they need that guy they like skunks also exactly they like dead things so just wanted to put that in this episode because I thought it was funny and interesting. And we're Vice Principal Superfans. We'll be right back. So listen, we have to talk about the elephant in the room that has stepped on our understanding. Our of hearts. Love. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we all found out this morning. Where were you? <laughs> this morning is a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> you found out this afternoon. I found out this afternoon. Nobody woke you? Nobody called you for the, you know, from No, but I was like, what? I thought I'd Everybody like missed it. Everybody was like, it. yeah, that already happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I was driving and I, I had to, I, you know, oh, I was in an Uber and I heard it in the Uber. That's what it was. I took an Uber to work today and I li- heard it on the radio as a thing going straight into. In a moment you'll never forget. Seriously. And I will never, I will always associate the breakup of Brad and Angelina, which is what we're talking about. Do we say that? We didn't actually say it. With uh, The Joker by Steve Miller from now on. Oh, so. God. People talk about me. I hate that song. Brad seems like he probably likes the Steve Miller band. He seems like he yeah. He likes to burn one down. He seems like a, a joker and a smoker, Brad yeah. Pitt. Um, which I guess is my, you know, th- theoretically the problem. 
his, his uh, you know, that is that, that, that is the rumor. That can't be the problem. There's no way that's the problem because I feel like he that... was a stoner when she met him. Yes, and supposedly Brad and Jen used to just be stoned all the time, which is also why that seemed like a chill couple to be in. Absolutely, absolutely, allegedly, <laughs> um, there's absolutely been alleged, but it makes sense. I don't know. This is one of those ones where it's like it's weird that it happened now that it got to this point. I don't know. I thought they were going to make it forever. Is that wrong? I don't know, man. I feel like everything is like built into this is entirely based on the star text and not on the actual thing. Cause I don't know anything. Yeah. We don't know them in but, life, but everything that's ever happened to them has been foreshadowed by the, one of their, one of their movies. It's like their whole relationship is bookended on one, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith on one end, right. which is about them having falling in love, falling in love and having a passion for each other that leaving Billy Bob and Jen Aniston for each other overcomes everything and makes them like they can't, they're supposed to kill, kill each other, but they can't cause they love each other too much. And like this, like just the, then it destroys everything around them. And like the central and image by is the them. Sea is they're supposed to love each other, but they can't cause they have to kill each other too much. Right? No, by the sea is a whole like, so you, have you seen this? No. So First they made all, a movie about how their marriage was in trouble. Yes. That and turned out to be real. Well, yeah. I mean, it's crazy because he plays a, an alcoholic writer who stopped writing. It's like very like movie writer problem where it's like you wrote a book that's a hit and then you're just writing only garbage now and you're like substance abusing somehow. So he has that and like they're in the south of France. There's like eight people in this movie. She all she does is get fabulously dressed up and like walk into town and like he goes down to the bar with his moleskin and like doesn't write anything and like you know sits and drinks and talks to the old French man about. Do they yell at each other a lot? Well, no, they do. There's fighting, but there's more sort of like oh, like you know, there's like love you too. Like they're sort of like they're very distant from one another, but then they bond over uh, the discovery of a a peephole in their hotel suite where they're staying uh, that looks into the other room next door to them. One thing that you learn from this movie is that like Angelina Jolie is out of touch with a lot of things, including like how a hole works in terms of <laughs> transmission of sound. That like, is not the thing I would think she would be out of touch with. Well, they're brought back together because they're eavesdropping on Melanie Laurent and her um, her man in the next room, like having sex and like sort of listening to the whole thing. And that is the thing that kind of brings them to this sort of like they're obviously like destined to break up. But this, this is their last little oh, man. thing where they're sort of living vicariously through these people. And it's like. It is a fascinating movie. It's not a good movie. I said today, it's like it's not a good movie, but it's a great movie. Like it's really interesting to watch it and sort of think about because it's Angelina Jolie directed well, this movie. Now it's and, very yeah, interesting. Yeah, like why would you make this movie at this time in your life? Like about you know because all of her directorial choices or a lot of them anyway, like seem to you know be about what she's thinking about exactly. Like it's exactly, and you can sort of judge like you know the sort of direction that things are taking. Um, it's a really fascinating, weird, you know, it reminds me of like, uh, uh, like contempt a little bit. And mm-hmm. like those, you know, like uh, some of those movies, it's like an attempt to make a foreign film by an American. Right. Um, but like, it's really now it's like, I would say it was really worth seeing before, but now it is that much more worth seeing just to think about like what, what really goes on. Cause you can never really know. I right? have a plan to get them back together. Do you want to hear it? I absolutely do. Parent trap. Okay. We forced them to do a remake of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Edward Albee. And they work it all out. And they work it all out through yelling at each other cathartically in the play. And then they're just all spent from yelling. And they're like, oh, 
we have so many kids. Let's just suck it up. This is so much worse than our actual relationship. I think it's just when I remember like when Jen and Brad broke up, I was very personally affected by it because I was like, don't these people have something that the rest of us don't have that should protect them from like regular stuff, mundane human sadness. And they don't all the money and uh, fame does nothing. Maybe it even makes it worse because they have so many opportunities to cheat because they're on location and they're actors. So It's a very intense time, Molly, on the set. I, a lot of intense emotions flying around the I set. I'm also like, I feel like the, the PR camps are now competing, which is interesting. It's like, it's it seems contentious. It doesn't seem like they're doing the thing of like, oh, this is just, uh, it ran its course and everything's fine. It's like, they're both putting out stories about like, seems like all the Angelina's already kind of controlling what's going on where it's like either Brad cheated although I would be shocked if they didn't have an open marriage as part of the yeah that's the other weird Europeanness thing. of them but he also seems like somebody this is the main thing I've always thought about him is that he becomes who he's dating absolutely 100% when you saw the Gwyneth Paltrow he, the, the, when he was dating Gwyneth Paltrow they had the same so frosted had tips had the same frosted tips when he was dating Jennifer Aniston he had like the honey blonde man Rachel yep and the Goo Goo Dolls. when he got with Angelina, he got all goth. So he definitely becomes like the woman he's dating, which always kind of seemed like cool about him in a way where you're like, oh, that'd be cool. Date Brad Pitt. And he just wants to do whatever you want to do because he is kind of borderline. But maybe uh, maybe whoever he actually might be came to the surface. Maybe yeah, maybe he matured at this point. I don't I don't know. I mean, he does he he speaks French beautifully in this movie and you sort of see an, another life for him almost in that in that moment like where he's just a guy hanging out in a, a bar in France like she gives him this little sort of like idyll like within this seaside barroom atmosphere. I I I don't know. But yeah, it's interesting that he's, you know, what do you think he was doing when he had the uh, system of a down beard though? That was that never made sense to me as a as a Oh, uh, was Pitt that like move. 12 monkeys? <laughs> no, it was like it was more recently there was just this period where he was like Maybe that was how he was expressing his sadness. That's the thing that's what I'm getting at. Maybe he was like I'm so I'm I'm I'm, I'm pent up in this relationship. I'm going to grow a billy Well, goat there's also beard. that thing where really hot actor guys like kind of like want to always want to work against how hot they are I think there's always the stories about like just people who smell really bad I believe he is one who's had that rumor or it's just like I want to put something in the way of like being Brad Pitt so I'll just like never shower right it's like Brando getting fat like, yeah he's like I want to I don't want to be, be a, you know I'm understood for my beauty anymore I want to hide my beauty under yeah layers of, of yeah, subcutaneous well, yeah. it's just like him and Brando. It's like the appetite's just extended to everything. Yeah. God love him. God, God love him. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> I, I I'll find a way. I'll find a way. Here we go. Speaking of Hollywood, old Hollywood, and world issues. Bring it in. Alex on Newsies. 
I, Alex a part of Newsies. I resent a little bit that this has become something that I am leading the charge on because this was absolutely something that you proposed. It was the uh, only thing on I the dry erase board. I saw Newsies the musical now several weeks ago, right. but it took you a little time to. I'm, I'm a very busy man. Catch up with Newsies. We also had other things to talk about. There we were, were things. Like, we'll put Newsies on the back, <laughs> and then one week it'll be Newsies week. And, Weirdly, uh, no one was clamoring for this segment. <laughs> there was no clamor. Newsies is a musical about a labor strike that took place at the turn of the century in New York over a price increase in newspapers that were being sold by poor kids from Brooklyn who were the Newsies. And they found out about this and went on strike. And somebody a billion years later said, hey, what a great plot for a musical. Singing, dancing, urchins. It's uh, Bugsy Malone meets Sizz and Kane. Right? Do you like uh, is is Bugsy Malone good? Do you like Bugsy Malone? I love Bugsy Malone. Are you a fan of West Side Story? Of course. Uh, do you like Charles Dickens? Is Charles Dickens good? Yes. I recommend this movie to you that you've already seen then because that's Newsies in one sentence. If Oliver fucked Citizen Kane, <laughs> they'd make a Newsie and gave birth to it on a bed of newspapers. <laughs> that is, and then got up off the newspapers and started tap dancing on them, and then in a big flourish, stepped on each half of the newspaper and broke it apart. That's the big move in Newsies. Yes. Born in a pile of newspapers. I, I ain't hear, got much. I ain't got, it's 10 cents. But I'm going to go to Santa Fe with my dreams. <laughs> Santa Fe. He, he literally, he steals a horse at one, one day cowboy I'll hat. be Batman. <laughs> You're Newsies. in my, don't get in my eye line. Like you just imagine, <laughs> you just imagine him being like, cause he just looks like Christian Bale and he's doing all the Christian Bale stuff. Like his, he just has like a, it's like a Christian Bale head on a Oh, and he body. had that floppy nineties hair. Yeah. It's Christian Bale with like an Ethan Hawke kind of haircut. Yeah. When that, but it's weird cause it's not one of those movies like, you know, Rudy or whatever, where it's like, oh, there's Vince Vaughn. There's like all the young actors. No, it's just like, Christian Bale. Just Christian Bale and the kid who played a young Tom Hanks in Big. So the real incident involved, I can't think of his name, but there was a newsboy who was maybe blind. His name was like Blind Boy Willie, uh, <laughs> who became the face of the movement. And he spoke in this Brooklynese that the New York Times would print or whatever New York paper was printing it would put in sort of like Brooklyn Patois of, you know, write it out as like. We got to sell these papers. These these dems and does. The papes. Yeah. That's what they say a lot in the movie. Yeah. It's 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 cringy. Everybody in this movie, by the way, has amazing newsy names. I was actually going to do a thing and I didn't do it. It was gonna be like a John Hodgman bit or something. I was going to we were gonna try and make you guess which were actual newsy names and which were uh, newsy names that I made up, but I forgot to make up any. So instead, I'm going to read the names of actual newsies because <laughs> they all have they all have like an affliction too. You know, like there's like one. Okay, uh, racetrack, uh, spot, crutchy, mush, boots, snitch. So crutchy, crutchy, is, is, crutchy is the one that is based on blind Billy Boy, little whatever his name is, who was the face of the movement. Where they were like, he's not you know, visual enough or something. We got to get a, a hot, random, made-up guy. Also, like, newsboy with a crutch is, like, the it's like the ar- archetype of the, the, the visual cliche of the newsboy. They all have, like, a cr- like a peg leg or, like, an eye patch, but, like, specifically... Well, it- they were all poor kids from Brooklyn, is what the movie 
is about. Kind well, of. but the, when they go to Brooklyn in this movie, it's like it's like a pirate island or yes. something. Like they have to sail there, <laughs> and it's like it's it's anarchy. Like as much They're as the streets the are lost boys. Yeah. They're in a very kind of Disneyland. It's like if Disneyland had a downtown New York, yes. that's where they're working. They're, they're selling their papers. But then when, then when they go to Brooklyn, it's lawless over yeah. there. It is, it is uh, whatever, the pirate island from Peter Pan. Um, the songs in Newsies are written by Alan Menken and the other dude who wrote the songs, Howard Ashman, who wrote the songs for Little Mermaid and Aladdin. Well, but it was only Alan Menken, though. Oh. Because it was, it was Ashman died, was right. dying of AIDS at the time. It was the first time that Menken worked with somebody other than uh. Ashman. And so it's the very, it feels like weirdly, like I was reading about this, it like, it is the end of the movie musical for a long time. And it yeah. feels like a lot of things are really winding down in this movie because it's like, it's 1992. Basically, there's not another big successful movie musical until Evita and that doesn't count because A, it's already a Broadway musical and B, it's Madonna just sort of saying, I want to do this and right. somebody makes it, you know. Newsies know. Is, uh, is great. The, <laughs> the stage musical version diverged from the movie in a bunch of ways that were not great. Like they invented a, they sort of combined the love interest with the Bill Pullman character. So they made... Oh, like a Nellie Bly kind yeah, of... Yeah, she's like the girl reporter, and then yeah. you find out halfway through that she's really Pulitzer's daughter, and she's like rebelling against him. And it was very like... You understand why it made logical sense for them to do that? Or they thought like, oh, we'll make her like the scrappy reporter, but it's like very annoying and also kind of ruins the song King of New York because they give it to her instead. Um, and the main character... What's his name? Will or something? His name is uh, Cowboy Jack Kelly. Jack Kelly. Cowboy. He's a cowboy. Yeah, it's he doesn't play, even played by Christian Bale, a young but not young enough that it's not weird. Christian Bale. That's right. In the movie version, um, it looks a little Jump Street. Well, as I was saying, part of the uh, attraction to Newsies was that I wanted to kiss all the Newsies. Yeah, I think that is what you're how you're supposed to feel. And then when I saw the the stage musical, I was like, this is the, the most homoerotic show. That first that opening shot. Okay, so first of all, this movie came out the same year as Kids. Yeah. And like it's weird to think of it as being from the same era as that thing, but like there is a moment in the, the beginning of this movie that is basically like Larry Clark could have shot it where they're all waking up. They're all these like young guys in like long johns sleeping in a puppy pile in like bunk beds in an orphanage and then they're going to go sell papers. It's, it doesn't stay that way. It's kind of like Annie in that way yeah. you're kind of like oh I know it's supposed to be bad that you all live in this youth hostel together but it kind of seems fun <laughs> it seems great living at the orphanage kind of seems chill and uh, I also will say that during the stage musical Jack Kelly and Crutchy had all the, t the sexual tension <laughs> Uh, sure. In the, the performance I saw, you were like, there is nothing happening between Jack Kelly and the lady, but whenever he and Crutchy are together, the sparks are flying. Yeah, there's not a lot of, like, real, real I mean, there's literally, besides Anne Margaret, who is basically, is she, it, like, is she supposed to be a, a prostitute? Who, no, she's a, she's a, a lady of the stage. She's a lady of the a stage. A vaudevillian. But she is, 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 is there something supposed to be going on with, between her and Jack Kelly? Like, is I there think a thing? she's just like... Did uh, I catch a vibe that's not there? I like you, the fan fiction you are inventing my here. My Newsies fanfic. 
<laughs> is off the chain. I don't know. Though. There's like Maybe three not. women in this movie besides Anne Margaret. Yeah, it's not. A, them, it's not about women. This movie. No, it's one about of them is the is uh, is Deborah Jacobs though, who's Mrs. Hugh Jackman. Oh, so that I is learned she playing from some? Who does she she's play? She's the mom. She's oh. the she's the, the of the you know the smart kid who's feeding Cowboy Jack yes. all of his uh, agitprop speeches about uh, you know labor rights. Um, it's crazy that. that Disney made a movie about labor rights. <laughs> is yes. what was really occurring to me. It's almost like they were like, if we put out this movie, but because Walt Disney was famously anti-union. So I don't know if they were trying to like correct that by making this this movie. But um, you get the sense that Disney would not respond well to any kind of strike because, yeah, Walt Disney famously, there was an animation strike uh, where all the animators were striking because they weren't getting paid fairly. And a lot of people left Disney, I think, to go to Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers was like, we'll pay you better. Um, right. I mean, this is like a movie. And Disney just fired everybody yeah. who struck, who went on the strike. So Newsies is is a great bit of historical revisionism about <laughs> what the Disney company is stoked about. Yeah, because it's crazy because he just it, it's like the idea of like that you could you could become a union right now. All you have to do is strike. That is the that is the message of and Newsies the, to the kids. They get the idea from the Porter strike, right? Yes, they've heard of there's a mention of the Pullman. They're like, hey, just like the Pullman Porters. Because hey, like what I like in this somebody movie. <laughs> should make a musical about that, though. I like that they are because they are news carriers. They know all they know the, the news, news and they also they're like, oh, I hear better stories from the cop on the beat. Like they know that the news is bullshit. Like well, they're actually. Yeah, they know the, uh, the stage version the book was written by Harvey Firestein. Oh, there you go. Which is also cool. But yeah, there's a bit where they're like waiting for the, I don't remember this in the movie, but they're like waiting for the day's newspaper to come out and they're all like, I hope it's something real violent with a big bloody picture because that'll sell great. <laughs> there's something about the accents too that's just super fun to do. Yeah, everybody, we could do a whole show just in Newsies. Like, yeah. Hey, hey, hey I'm a Newsie. Hey, hey yeah. I'm walking here with my newspapers. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. They grow up to be Ratto Rizzo. They yeah, all are doing Ratto Rizzo are. on some level. Newsies, you're one of the weirdest movies I've ever watched. That's this what's is, great about it. This was one of my sister's favorite movies, by the way, when she was 10. So we'll have Newsies part two and we'll have her on because the fact that I watched this uh, independently of her. Was, was she very was excited? Uh, I We haven't talked about it. She doesn't know yet. That we, oh, you just got to text happened. her. We're going to reveal it. Maybe like, I'm watching Newsies. <laughs> part, second half. This movie's long, by the way. You're just it goes, like, I have, I have something to reveal. Yeah. I'm the king of New York. Uh, <laughs> that is me. That is the best song, by the way. Tomorrow I mean, they may wrap fishes in it, but I was a king for just one minute. The king of New York. <laughs> Is the problem with these movies that everyone in them should be, like historically speaking, should be like at least a little bit racist? Like, uh, Nick, like yes. Nick racist? You Absolutely. Know? Like just casually? Um, yes, that is one of the many problems. Because they do have they do have Christian Bale saying some like there's a there's a Mr. Mr. Wiesel is the guy the sell, circulation manager who sells in the papers and they do have Christian Bale calling him Mr. Weasel like and <laughs> it's not it's not punished in the movie. Do you think that was a dig at Ely Wiesel? I do, it, I mean it's it's a dig at uh, Mr. Wiesel himself the circulation manager certainly it's Christian Bale's character. Well, says this movie it, also takes a very terms. hard tack on Joseph Pulitzer. Yeah. Which uh, is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean those guys were starting wars. That's right. You know, for, just 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 for their own for their own benefit, just to, just to sell papers. They didn't care about the newsies. No, they, they they did not. Who plays Hearst? I didn't get there. I don't think I got that far. Well, does you're Hearst, gonna have to watch Hearst to find up? out. Is it Orson Welles? I don't think he does show up. Let's just say it's Orson Welles to make you watch the rest of it. 
Anyway, Newsies, starring Orson Welles. Newsies, a movie that came out 25 years ago, is the hot topic on this week's It came out 24 years ago. It's not even an anniversary. (laughs) We bring you the news that no one else is bringing you. All the Newsies fit to print. They may wrap fish in this podcast tomorrow, but Molly, today. Today we're stars. Kings of North Hollywood. See you next week, Newsies. This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Mukta Mohan, Michael Catano, and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network. Subscribe to this and other MTV podcasts wherever you find your favorite shows. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter at MTV Podcast.